good. Awesome. It's awesome to be here. We love Phil and Kathy. These guys are just cool people. And um, we know many of you in this house have been praying for us as a family and for our son over the years and been connected to our family story. Um, we've had the privilege of meeting a couple of you this morning, so thanks so much for that. We ride on those prayers, and um, that's what we walk on at the moment. So uh, it's a privilege to be here with you guys. Um, my wife, Amberly and two of our four kids are hanging out down the back there. Um, you'll see Elijah. He may come running around here at some stage. You might hear our little lawnmower suction machine going off at the back there during while I speak. Um, he's nine. He's our oldest boy. And we have Harper, our youngest. She's just turned one, going on 21, <laughs> down the back there. And the other two are at my mum and dad's over in Cambridge. Um, Hey, look, before we get started, I want to share a couple of the um, resources we've brought over with us. Ams and I head up a ministry called Inflame Ministries, um, which we're based in Tauranga. That's where we live now. We lived in Te Aroha for a long time here in the Waikato. Now we're over the hill in Tauranga and uh, love it there. We've been there for a little over four years, and, um, and we base our ministry out of there. And Inflame Ministries is a, a movement that encompasses a whole bunch of different things. We have a recording studio where we're recording different artists because we believe in the, the song and the sound of our land, um, and we believe in the song and the sound of heaven being released. And uh, so we, we know, as I love studying revivals, I love studying moves of God, and uh, every move of God throughout history has had a sound. It's had a song that, that goes with it. And just like... Through the ages, you can look back at history and identify what time period you're in by the arts. You can also look at the move of God and identify what's going on according to the sound and the song, the paintings and the arts that were being released at that time. It's an amazing connection. And so uh, we really believe in this connection of the, the song of the Lord and the sound of the people being released out over our land. So part of what we do is record and release a bunch of different artists, um, and our, one of our, some of our first artists are from Nelson, um, Aspire Worship. It's our friends Phil and Janelle from down there in Nelson. They have an album out there called Let Joy Be the Sound, a uh, great bunch of songs. Most of the stuff we release is corporate worship um, flavored type stuff um, from Kiwis for Kiwis. Cool beans? So that's out there. That's Let Joy Be the Sound. Who loves the sound of New Zealand and hasn't heard this one before? Anyone? I saw your hand go off. I want to give this to you. Bless you. You've got to be quick. You've got to be quick. No time to muck around. We're not here for a haircut. <laughs> this is Amberly and I's uh, album we just released uh, earlier this year called Flood Me. Um, we, part of what we do is we are connected with Jesus Culture Music and um, we released an EP with them uh, 2013, I think it was, and we felt like the Lord say, um, this one's already been shotgunned over here. <laughs> That's it. See, you've got to be in quick. I like it. Um, uh, part of what we felt to do, we, we were um, set to release a full-length album with them, and we really felt the Lord say, hey, I want you guys to do this 
yourself. I want you to record it yourself. I want you to um, play all the instruments yourself. I want you to write all the songs yourself, and I want you to release it yourself. And so we're like, all right, um, cool. <laughs> and it was one of the hardest things we've ever done, and that is this, and we're really proud of it. We love the sound of it. We, it's, it's a real glimpse into the song and the sound that's going on in our heart out externalized, okay? So that's this. Um, there's some awesome songs on there, uh, 14 of them, I believe, on that album there. Uh, some of them we'll do tonight when we're hanging out with you guys tonight in the night service. Um, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun, bro. <laughs> Bless you. And that's called Flood Me. <laughs> that's also, all of these are out here, just out these doors here. Um, that's also on iTunes and Spotify, both of them are, I believe. Uh, if you use that instead. We have a couple of books out there as well. I'll quickly brief over those. Um, this one is called The Art of Healing. This is a book I released. Um, see, you guys are catching it now. I like that. Um, I released this one in, uh, a couple years back, and I wrote this um, while sitting in my son's special needs uh, kindergarten type thing over in Hamilton. We lived in Te Aroha and had to commute over to Hamilton. Because of the needs he has, I wasn't able to leave him. They needed someone trained to be there on site with him um, as they worked with him. And so I had to sit there for about six hours a couple times a week. And I started journaling, started writing some thoughts down, and it is later what turned into this. And uh, it's basically um, our journey of encountering God as healer through the story of our son. And how many know healing isn't just something God does, it's who he is. It's not just something he can choose to turn on and off. It's who he is, it's his nature. When, when he reveals, and when a name of God is revealed, we're seeing a part of the very substance of his being. And when he says that he is Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals, it's actually I am the Lord healer. It's not just something he does, it's who he is. And so... Um, he doesn't give sickness. He doesn't need it. Uh, sure, he can use it, but he doesn't have to. All right? And this is the, the questions we grappled with, obviously, with our son still having special needs and the questions and the, the fight that goes on there. And so we, we're pretty raw and pretty real in this book. Um, we talk about all the hard questions, which I found in most healing books are avoided. Things like, what about Job? Um, what about the sovereignty of God? What about... Well, you know, why does God not heal everybody? What, what's going on with things like this? Like, these are the questions that when you're hit with a life and death thing, those are the ones you're asking. And that's kind of um, the road we walk down, and we just encounter God's goodness and his heart to heal. Cool? So that's that. That's out there, the art of healing. Bless you, bro. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And then we have Miracles in Aotearoa, which my dad and I put together Who's heard of Western Carrier? <laughs> you guys heard of Western Carrier? Awesome guy. Has he been here? Yeah? So, um, you know, you guys know the story. You, know, you guys know the ministry. I was playing at his funeral. My dad spoke at his funeral. And we came away. And you know how he had those little um, healing uh, testimony books, testimony pamphlets? They were handing them out at his funeral. By the way, probably the best funeral hands down I've ever been to in my life. We simply sat around and a room full of a couple hundred people just shared healing testimony after healing testimony after healing testimony right up till he passed away in Tauranga Hospital. There was people from the hospital there 
sitting on the second or third row just weeping because of this man who shared such love uh, that they encountered in the hospital. And so um, they were handing out these testimony volumes at his funeral, and I came away and I was like, man, this, this, these pamphlets, they're a national treasure. And we can't, I can't let it be as hard as it was for me, for my kids, to find the testimony of the Lord in our land. Because when I started digging about this God stories in New Zealand, I was blown away at what, was, what had happened in our land, but it was so hard to find. And so we put together Miracles in Aotearoa, which is like 600 pages, over 600 pages of crazy first-hand um, accounts of what God has done in people's lives right here throughout all of New Zealand. I think there's two in there from Australia because we felt sorry for them. But other than that... <laughs> The rest is all New Zealand-based, and it's got some of the best chapters I think I've ever heard in any book. Chapter one, hips, legs, knees, and feet. It's awesome, eh? Chapter two, head, face, ENT, and neck. I mean, a whole chapter of testimonies about God healing that area of people's bodies. Chapter four, cancer. Um, chapter nine is my favorite, overhauls and unusual conditions. We just had a whole lot of, con- whole lot of testimonies where we were like, doesn't even fit in a category. We just put them together and make a chapter out of them. And so um, that's very cool. And the cool thing about that is how many know that Revelations 19.10 talks about the testimony of Jesus as the spirit of prophecy. So when we talk about what he has done, it releases into the atmosphere that very anointing for that to reproduce and happen again. So if you want to see the miracles and you want to see the the um, supernatural. We'll talk more about this later tonight when we, um, we're going to do a bit of healing uh, tonight and activate the supernatural and see miracles happen. We get the privilege of seeing that all over our country and further afield, and it's a whole lot of fun. And we're going to train you guys to do it. And so um, one of the greatest keys that we've come across in that is just saturating your life with testimonies. So get one of those, put it on your coffee table, and read one a day. It's like medicine to your spirit, and it feeds your atmosphere. Miracles in Aotearoa. Someone put their hand up, eh? Davina? Who's Davina? Over here. Bless you, Davina. (laughs) And there's an index in the back of every condition, every place, every church, um, every town and city. So if you're, like, we've gone to churches and handed it around, you know, and, and people go, oh, I submitted a testimony to Weston, and it was in one of his testimony volumes, and they can find themselves in there and check it out. It's pretty awesome. Cool beans. All right. We've got to rush through this stuff. It's going to be fun. Um, I want to talk today about the power of sound. Okay. When I talk about this, my inner nerd comes out a little bit, but that's all right. He's friendly. So we're going to talk about the power of sound, and we're going to talk about how um, sound affects your, like how you release a sound and how you can affect and influence the atmosphere around you. Because what I want us to catch today is that you play such a phenomenal part in setting the temperature and climate of the atmosphere over this city, over this region, and over the nation. You play a phenomenal part in setting that atmosphere. It's not just people on this stage. It's not just worship teams. It's not just famous people. It's individuals. It's you. The kingdom is made up of people, and it's you. Okay? 
And so um, we need to take ownership for the atmosphere of our nation and start investing into it, start sowing into it, because it's phenomenal, the promises of God that we can see that are available to us. So I want to talk about the power of sound, and it kind of will start where, how many know, like who's, if you've been around church any, for any time at all, you've heard all these new, these new song type prophecies, you know, the new sound, the new song, you guys heard that kind of thing, and it's, God's going to do a new thing, and it's a new sound, and it's a new song, and all this kind of stuff. It's good prophecies, good prophetic words, they're good. But oftentimes, it's like, I've heard that a million times, what, what, is, that, what is the new song? And so we want to look into what this deal of the new song is. Often when we hear prophetic words like this, we think external from ourselves. We think, hey, the, the new song of God is coming. And so as a musician, we go home, we try and figure out new chords that have never been played before. And it just sounds terrible. Or we try and sing melodies and words and things that haven't been sung before, and it's, it doesn't work. It turns out sounding like yodeling, which is definitely not worship. And so, and so um, anyway, we, we hear these new song, new sound prophecies, and we often try and outwork those and partner with those prophetic words in a way that treats them like they're an external reality. And what I want us to realize is that not only do we carry the new song of God within us and the new sound of heaven that's being released in the earth today, not only do we carry that, but you literally are the new song. You, as a person, are the new song. The connection you share with the Father in the new covenant, which is the age we live in right here, right now, is the new song. It has a phenomenal impact, and I want to show you that and unpack that for you this morning. So, we all know, right, God made everything. This is yes, this is no. Awesome. John 1.3, through him, through God, all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And Revelations 4.11 tells us that all things were created for his pleasure. All things were created by God, which means the devil created nothing. That's right. So if he created nothing, he has ownership of nothing. That's right. So God created everything. Not only did he create everything, he created it for his enjoyment, for his pleasure, and on top of that, we know the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All that's in it. In terms of ownership, God's got, got the lot, right? And to understand the power of sound in our universe, we have to remember that God used sound to create everything that exists. So who remembers the Genesis 1 story of creation? We have this cool, we have this cool picture outworked of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit come into play right at the beginning. And we have the Father who speaks the earth into being. He speaks uh, all the, I call it like all the ingredients for creation. He speaks them into existence. Because Genesis uh, 1.1 tells us that he, he speaks, God created the heavens and the earth, but it was formless and void. Have you ever thought about that? Like, what does that look like? So he created the heavens and the earth, but they were formless and void. So it's like he spoke or created 
all the ingredients for what was to make heaven and earth, but it was all out of shape. It didn't have any shape. It was just there. It was like all the, they were all thrown into the bowl, but the cake hadn't been made yet. <clears throat> so the, the Father creates all the ingredients. And then we hear this beautiful verse about the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters. Remember that? He hovered over the waters. And that word hovered means to shake or to flutter or to move. In other words, it means vibration. And a lot of Hebrew scholars uh, believe that when the Holy Spirit vibrated over the waters, he created a sound over the waters. And that vibration brought uh, substance and brought form to this formless and void created stuff began to take shape, and they created what we know as earth and heavens today. And so we have the Father who creates this formless and void stuff, and then we have the Holy Spirit who vibrates over that creation, and we have earth. And then we have the Son, Jesus, the Word. When God speaks and says, let there be, how many know the Bible tells us that the Word was with God in the beginning? He does. Let there be light. And when he speaks, we see the word of God in action. And we know the word is Jesus. The word was with God in the beginning, and by the word, all things were created, right? This is yes. This is no. Just recapping. Cool. So we have Father creates things. Holy Spirit vibrates, resonates over this created stuff. And we see heaven and earth take shape. And then we see the word of God display its creative power and begin to create and fill the earth. So we see that we come to this, this what we want to kind of hit today, where frequency is at the center of everything. So everything that has ever been made was made by God and was made by his voice And now science is showing us that everything that is created, everything like the chair you're sitting on, the carpet, the concrete, this building, the steel in the building, the dirt, the air you breathe, everything, at at the center of the subatomic particles that make up that substance is a tiny little vibration, a vibrating strand of energy. And depending on the frequency of that vibration is what decides what, that's, that, what form that particle takes on. So this pulpit is vibrating at a different frequency from my Bible. And this, the particles that make this up are vibrating at a different frequency from my Bible, which is vibrating at a different frequency from me, from you, from the chair, from everything. Okay, which makes sense when we consider that everything is the product of his voice. Everything is the product of his voice. Everything was the product of a God frequency. In fact, some Hebrew scholars believe that when God spoke creation into being, he actually sung it into being, therefore making creation the literal manifestation of a God song. Amazing, eh? 
And that's why we can read later in the New Testament where Paul talks about all creation clearly displays the greatness and goodness of our God. All creation glorifies God because it's a song that testifies to the goodness and glory of God. It's bizarre. But frequency is at the center of everything. And stay with me because it's a little bit nerdy, but we're getting there. Because everything was made by his voice, everything is influenced by his voice. Okay? Because everything is a frequency, we have to understand this principle that frequency affects frequency. All right? Frequency affects frequency. And we see this when literal sound can shape physical matter. Now, you have to understand, when I'm talking about frequency, I'm talking about sound, but also light. So colors are different frequencies. Uh, different pitches are different frequencies. Movement is a frequency. Uh, there's all these different manifestations of frequency on different uh, spectrums. Okay? And the most vivid example is on the sound spectrum. So we can see that sound shapes matter. Now, if you guys can load up the Chladnian plate video for me. This is a plate, uh, an experiment that was developed by a guy named Ernst Chladny way back when. You might want to turn the, yeah, turn the audio down. It's a really annoying sound. All we have here, just turn it up a little bit so we can hear what is actually being generated. All we have here is a steel plate with a whole bunch of sand on it. Underneath the steel plate is a speaker which is making that sound that you can hear. And they're just pouring more sand on there. As the frequency changes, it reshapes the matter on top of that plate. It's moving it in accordance with the frequency that's being released. And as it changes, as it gets higher, you can see that the shapes change and move and change. If you can shift, if you can skip forward about 10, 15 seconds or something. Yeah, drag that on forward. Keep going, keep going, keep going. We get up to some really cool, yeah, play that. We get some really cool, as the pitch gets higher, the shapes get tighter. And people's ears start to bleed. And we'll see it shift and turn. It sits there for a little while and then it moves again. Skip it right forward about 30 seconds. You can see the shapes get tighter and tighter. It's quite amazing how it all works. You can check these all out on YouTube, by the way. These are nothing strange or anything like that. These are common experiments that people do. So we see an example here of sound influencing and shaping matter, physical matter. Thanks, guys. You can, you can pull that down. Um, which brings us to this reality that I want us to hit called entrainment theory. Everyone say entrainment theory. Cool. Most of you got it. <laughs> Some of you entrainment there. Entrainment theory. Okay. Now, entrainment theory was discovered by a guy in 1665. And he was, for some reason, he had a clock with a pendulum on it hanging on his wall, and he got another clock exactly the same as the other one. 
And when he hung them on the wall, he noticed that when the pendulums were swinging out of sync, he would come back a little while later and they were swinging perfectly in sync. He was like, what is up with that? And so he'd set them out again and then he'd come back later and they'd be swinging in sync again. And neither of them were losing or gaining time. They were keeping perfect time, but they would fall into sync with each other. And so he began to uh, research this and explore it, and he found that one of these clocks had a slightly louder hum than the other one. And so he realized that the one with the slightly louder hum was becoming a dominant frequency in the relationship between those two clocks. And that dominant frequency was actually pulling the lesser dominant frequency into entrainment with itself. So that other clock had to, it had no choice, it had to fall into alignment with the dominant frequency. We can see this when we do an experiment with uh, metronomes. You guys got the, um, do the sync of, yeah, 32, do the 32 metronomes, do that one. This bad boy here. So this is a common experiment. I've got 32 metronomes here. As we all know, metronomes are set to keep perfect time. They set them all off at random, all at the same tempo, but starting at different points. Now, they're on a board which the vibration from each tick and top can uh, resonate through that board. So it's, it's, a, it's like a piece of ply or something like that, you know. And basically, the vibration can travel through that, and scientists call it, uh, these metronomes get to know each other. So when these metronomes know each other, they start falling into sync. So it's all a chaos at the moment. And what happens, what begins to happen with these 32 metronomes is two of them fall into sync. And that two form a culture. And as that culture develops, a third joins it, and then a fourth, and then it starts snowballing. And so it doesn't take too long. I think all up it's like a minute 12 for them to fall into sync out of complete chaos. Something like that. But as we watch it, you can start to see that back row is starting to hang out together and you can start to see more and more of them are falling into entrainment with that dominant frequency that's being developed, that dominant culture. And what's interesting about this is nothing, there's nothing to do with control going on. There's everything to do with influence going on, okay? So they are influencing the frequency that each other carries. See, now you can start to hear that rhythm, that step happening. They're starting to form a tempo, but there's still the second, on the, the second row on the far right. That's that rebellious person that just will not fall into sync, doing everything they can to resist. And it doesn't take long, let's see, that. They're trying, but they're 180 degrees out of phase. It gets to the point where they just can't handle it anymore and they have to fall into sync and adapt to the culture that's been set. And basically, they just let that go. I can't remember how long the video is, but it keeps going. And as it goes, they just get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter together. The culture gets uh, firmer and firmer, more and more rock solid, more and more well-established. Awesome, you can cut that off.
We have another metronome video which we won't show, but basically it, it, um, it shows the power of a culture where they have 10 metronomes. They have nine of them beating in sync perfectly already. They bring along a 10th one and they slide it into the frame like this. And as they slide it in, the 10th one is out of sync, completely out of sync. As they slide, slide it in, before the guy can even get it uh, fully next to the other metronomes, it's fallen into sync. It happens so quick, you have to watch it a few times to actually see what just happened. But it's just bizarre how quickly things can fall into entrainment when a dominant frequency is present. Okay? <clears throat> it doesn't matter what, like, what we're talking about with entrainment, it doesn't, like the, it doesn't matter what physical substance we're dealing with. Can you guys load up the amazing water experiment vid? So whether we're dealing with water, whether we're dealing with steel, whether we're dealing with concrete, whether we're dealing with... Basically, what I'm trying to say is whether you're dealing with a hard heart or a soft heart, it doesn't matter. This is a basic water experiment done with a speaker, a hose, um, and a bunch of water. And they put a sound wave through it at 24 hertz, and that's what happens. There is nothing uh, sped up or slowed down with the footage. That's just literally put the camera on, press record. You can recreate any of these experiments. So that's the power of entrainment. That's putting through, see how the water is taking on a waveform. The water is taking on the, the shape of the waveform from the dominant frequency. If they change the frequency, if you skip forward just a little, that's the one, just take it forward, keep going, keep going, to here. We see the forward effect, they change the frequency up one, and it starts moving forward. Again, nothing is sped up or slowed down, that's real time. And it's taking on the form, it's being brought into entrainment with the form of that sound wave, of that frequency. Skip forward again and we can see the reverse effect. If they take it down one hertz, to 23 hertz I think it is. Keep it going. Here we go. And there's the reverse effect. <clears throat> so it's absolutely bizarre. Awesome, guys. You can shut that off. Thank you. Load up the Tacoma Narrows Bridge one. We'll do one more video before we finish with the videos. Again, this, this kind of, you know, uh, this one you'll need to turn the sound off for. Thanks. So Tacoma Narrows Bridge was a bridge uh, made in the 1940s, and as you can see there, it has a, a depth of uh, eight foot deep uh, steel girders. I'm six foot two. If I put my hand up, I'm still not quite eight foot. Okay? So that's how high. You'll see a picture of them soon. This is how high the steel is. That's the steel girders there that form this bridge. And you can see those other massive steel girders doing the horizontals, and then they have concrete laid on top of this um, steel to form this bridge. And you'll see those massive steel railings going up. That, that's what holds all this massive eight-foot steel girders in place. All of this is solid steel and concrete 
designed to have a little bit of give, a little bit of sway, but it's not meant, I mean, you don't need to be a scientist to know that steel is not meant to move like rubber, is it? Again, this is yes, this is no. It's not a trick question. But what happened one day was the breeze got up to a steady 42 knots, and you can begin to see this bridge is starting to move like a waveform. It's trying to keep up with the dominant frequency that is too low even for human ears to hear. It's such a low frequency. But what was happening is these massive steel strings that are holding the steel girders up, the wind got up and started blowing through those at a steady rate of 42 knots, turning those massive steel railings into enlarged guitar strings. And that began to hit the resonant frequency of this bridge bringing it into, like forcing it to come into entrainment with that dominant frequency. Yeah, there's a guy, that's, that's the architect, the dude who designed the bridge. He tried to park his car on there to change the resonant frequency of the bridge. But there you can see that, remember that is solid eight foot steel girders bending like rubber. And it goes and it goes until um, we could skip forward and you just see the whole bridge collapse. Um, because that's basically the rule of thumb, is it keeps up as long as it can until it can't go any further and it just collapses. It's the same with the wine glass experiment, which many of you have probably seen an opera singer sing at a wine glass, and, psh, and it breaks. What's happening there is the opera singer is singing the resonant frequency of that wine glass, bringing it into entrainment with that thing and causing the wine glass to try and move. And as it moves, it breaks. And that is a bridge doing the same thing. It's happened, um, it's happened a, a few times throughout history. There's the bridge collapse right there. Um, you remember, if you know anything about the army, when an army crosses a bridge, it has to break step. They call break step. And they all walk out of sync when they go across a bridge. That's because way back when, they were crossing a bridge in step, it hit the resonant frequency of that bridge, and the bridge collapsed. We see that, you can look it up, thanks guys, you can shut that off. You can see that same effect um, on the London Millennium Bridge, when that opened in 2000, and there was a slight bit of movement in the bridge, and as everyone was walking on it during the opening, they had to shut it down the next day and fix it, because they realised that as it was as everyone started walking on it, it started slightly moving. The, the resonant frequency of that bridge started getting hit. And as that, as that started to move, everyone started to fall in entrainment with that frequency. So when the camera zooms out, all you see is a whole bunch of people walking. No one's walking in sync or anything. But as it zooms out to a bird's eye view of it, you can see that everyone, although they're stepping at different times, they're all like this, swaying together. And you see that as they, as, as they get tighter and tighter, like those metronomes, that dominant frequency gets louder and louder. The bridge would end up causing a whole bunch of problems. They could cause a whole bunch of problems, a whole lot of danger. They shut it down the next day. They just welded a whole bunch of steel onto the thing and changed the frequency of that bridge to deal with it. So this principle of entrainment is a very real thing that affects the world around us. Here's the deal. It doesn't only affect... The physical realm, it also affects the spiritual realm. You guys remember the story of the walls of Jericho? I mean, hey, what's going on there? 
all they do is walk around a bunch of times and then go, that, I mean, if you've tried that, it doesn't work. <clears throat> but there's something in the fact that they had to walk, they had to march for seven days around that thing. Walk in step, march around for a certain amount of time, and then raise up a shout. Since this bridge collapsed, they now have to have acoustic technicians sign off uh, high-rise buildings and large structures like bridges and things like that because they know that surrounding things like people walking in step, trucks driving, can cause frequencies that cause things to move and fall and do things they shouldn't do. And so the walls of Jericho could be an example of that. You look at <clears throat> um, David with the sound on the trees. He had to wait for a sound. You look at Gideon, and there was a sound that went before them, wasn't there? And then we come to Acts 16, and we see this amazing story of Paul and Silas. And this is where entrainment takes on a whole new level of awesome. We see Paul and Silas locked in prison. And it's not like our kind of prisons these days where, you know, they, they have a little TV and they have heated floors and KFC on Fridays. Not that kind of prison. This kind of prison is the kind of prison in the ancient world that was generally down under the streets. The prisoners were locked behind the iron bars. Not only that, they were chained, shackled down to the ground or to the wall. And oftentimes there was just a little hole in the ceiling that was up at the street and all the junk from the street would drip down into the cell. So not the most hygienic place you could hang out. Pretty ugly kind of a scene. They're locked in this prison. They start singing praises to God. And what happens next? Prison doors fly open. The shackles fall off. Here's what I'm proposing to you. Their freedom... Their sound of freedom was such a dominant frequency in a place of bondage, in a prison, in a physical prison. Their sound of freedom was such a dominant frequency in that place that it brought a physical prison even into entrainment with it where the doors had to fly on open. Your praise and your worship is such a sound of freedom that has such a bigger effect in this room. You, your song and your sound affects this city and affects this nation. It sets the temperature, it sets the climate over this nation. I'm so thankful that we have an awesome voting process and, you know, we voted yesterday and we, we pray for our government. We make a point of that. We believe in them, we pray for them, we bless them. But we know it's not them that are going to set the change we want to see in this nation. I have pretty low expectations on my government, so I'm not easily disappointed. It's a great relationship we share. <laughs> Because I have a higher expectation on myself. I have a higher expectation on the body of Christ because we are the ones who carry an awareness of the Spirit of God. We are the ones who can set and influence and shift and shape atmospheres. So we have this reality where we, <clears throat> we carry a dominant frequency because we are married to the Spirit of God, we are, we are fused with Him. We are one spirit with Him. Where it says in Scripture that we're one in spirit with God, the literal translation is you are one spirit. 
You're fused with him. You cannot tell the difference. It's like tea. You put hot water and a tea bag together, and then you've got tea. You can't separate them again. You're fused with the Spirit of God, and so that has an effect instantly on the world around you. It's amazing. I mean, we've seen this happen time and time again. We just see people healed just because you're in the room. I remember a friend of ours up north, I gave her a hug as we were saying goodbye. I had lunch with her and her husband, gave her a hug, said goodbye, left. A month and a half later or so, she emails and says, hey, I just want to let you know, the time when you were up with us and you hugged us and said goodbye, I felt something lift off me. And I wanted to leave it long enough to know that this thing was like a real definite thing, but I'd been struggling with severe depression up until that point for about a, a long, better part of a year before that. And I hadn't been able to shake this thing, and in that one hug, it's just been gone ever since. And we didn't even know, like I was just saying goodbye. That's the kind of dominant frequency you carry, because the voice of the Lord is in you and on you and all around you. You are, when he spoke creation into being, like I said, you not only is the world, but you are a God song. You are the manifestation of a God song. And when it says, um, you know the scripture where it says, where two or three are gathered in my name. They can ask anything and it will be done for them. You guys know that scripture? It's in your Bible too? Cool. Where it says where, they, where, it, where two or three agree. That word agree is not like, hey, yep, we'll sign the dotted line together. That word agree is symphoneo. It's where we get our word symphony from. And it gives this idea that agreement is not about thinking the same opinion together. Agreement is actually more like harmonizing. So you might make a different sound to me, but our, our sounds harmonize each other. Your life is a, is a harmony in the symphony of God. And as the symphony resonates throughout the earth, it's supposed to bring the world into entrainment with heaven. Because it's the song of heaven. Is this making sense? <clears throat> You are a sound that has an effect on the world around you. Like, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal, this stuff. We've seen, in worship, we've seen literal clouds come on in the room and people get healed from stuff that doctors have written off and said, you're just going to have to live with it. Like here in New Zealand. I remember a worship time, Saturday night, just a small group of people, my wife and I on an acoustic guitar, and we're worshipping away, and I look up, and I see this mist, like, up about where the top lights are up there. And I'm like, huh, it's kind of cool. And as, the, as we carried on, the worship just got thicker and thicker and thicker, and that cloud just came further and further down and got thicker and thicker and just kind of hovered above our heads. It was really bizarre, and I thought, I wonder if this is a faith thing, because I often see things in the Spirit. And I thought, I wonder if this is just a really tangible, spiritual thing I'm seeing. So I leaned over to Anne and said, hey, can you see that cloud? She looks up and goes, yeah. I'm like, yeah, me too. That's, that's crazy. And the thing that blew me away was in that moment where the room was so in, in alignment with heaven, that cloud just seemed normal. And we found out later on, a bunch of people saw it, even a whole bunch of youth. 
No one really cared because in that moment it just seemed so normal. It wasn't like, whoa, everyone, hey, there's a, big, there's a cloud in the room. Woo! It was just like, that's normal. That's what's supposed to happen. So what I'm getting at with all the, all the nerdy stuff is that you carry a sound, you carry a song that is meant to be released in the earth. You carry an atmosphere that, is, that can be, you can, you can literally be such an atmosphere of heaven that you call the world around you into alignment with heaven. Your workplace, your school, your home, your street can be a physical habitation of the presence of heaven. Scripture puts it another way. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. You choose. You can fill your life with, this is why worship's so important and powerful, because it literally fills your life with heaven. I want to finish with this scripture. This is one of our key scriptures in our ministry. We're a part of a global ministry called Sounds of the Nations. And this is kind of our, our theme passage, if you like. Psalm 67, verses 5 through 7. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God our God blesses us. God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. What I want us to understand is that as we connect with God and our connection with him, there is such a dominant frequency released into the world around you. It has such an effect on people's lives around you, whether you see it or not. No one that day on the bridge could hear a sound at all, apart from a a blowing breeze. All they saw was this bridge responding to it. Same with the sound of heaven. Sometimes you just can't, you you don't see or or hear anything. You don't know of what's going on, and you find out later on, my goodness, that is amazing. Your connection with God is phenomenal. How many know Scripture says he inhabits the praises of his people? So as we praise, this says, let all the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. And then it talks about this threefold response. Firstly, the earth responds. It says, the earth has yielded its produce. Is there any farmers in the room? We're all connected to it, yes, but... A couple of farmers, yeah, cool. <clears throat> the, the farming industry and the fruit and produce in New Zealand, the honey, everything, it's a massive industry for us here in New Zealand. And there's a, there's a verse here that talks about the very land responds to the voice of God. We've got a whole teaching on this, how the very land will respond. It's waiting for us to connect, to come, to step into our identity. And as we do that, the freedom of the Lord is found in the land as well. It's an amazing principle. But here it talks about as we praise, as we connect with God, the very land responds. The earth yields its produce. You know, there's places on earth that the Spirit of God is so landed that their fruit, their produce, their vegetation, it produces year-round. It's not seasonal anymore. The land just produces year-round, and they're doing carrots like the size of my arm. Scientists go in and test the soil because they're just like, what are you guys doing to your land? This is just freakish. It's weird. And all that's happening is the Spirit of God is just on a place. That's possible for Tiamuru. The earth yields its produce. 
God, our God, blesses us. The land responds. Heaven responds. As you connect with God, the literal earth is blessed, and it responds to that connection, to that atmosphere of heaven. And also heaven responds. When we praise, it makes earth look like heaven. The angelic realm, the presence of God looks on and says, hey, that looks like home. I'm going to go hang out. It's pretty simple reality. But here's the one I really want to hit, the last one. It says, God our God blesses us that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Now, when we think this through, how many know God's not all that interested in people being afraid of him, like scared of him? It's not, it's not something he's that interested in, is it? For some of you, maybe that's news. He's not that interested in that. He doesn't need that. He could do that, but he doesn't need to. <clears throat> and not only that, God is love. Perfect love casts out fear. So there's this whole deal of being scared of God is not something he desires at all. It's not on his heart, especially because he's such a relational person. So that word, what does it mean? That all the ends of the earth may fear him. Well, that word fear is one that means moral reverence. A moral reverence. So what does that mean? Well, if I have a moral reverence for Kathy, I then have this internal thought process and this way of thinking, this way of living, this way of making choices and decisions that has a respect and an honor for the things that she thinks is right and wrong. So I value her morals. I value what she thinks is right and wrong, and I set my life to align with that. That's what a moral reverence is. Does that make sense? So you imagine, you put this, this scripture into perspective here, saying as we praise God, there is such an atmosphere set that it literally changes the way people think that all the ends of the earth begin to have a moral reverence for the things of God. You imagine if we woke up tomorrow morning and we no longer had to argue with the world as to whether prostitution or drugs or alcohol or abuse or violence or all these things are wrong. If we just set such an atmosphere of heaven, we set our face on him and we became such a habitation of his presence that it literally shifted the atmosphere of the city that people started waking up thinking different. And they just suddenly got up and they're like, you know what? I just don't want to do that anymore. I don't know why. I just don't want to do that anymore. It's possible. It's possible. It's a promise that's ours for the taking. We can set such a habitation of heaven in our own lives, and as you do that, your personal victory is a corporate victory over your city. You can influence, you can shift, you can shape the atmosphere over this city and over this nation. You can sow into that. And I just want people to begin to up their awareness of their investment into that assignment. So I'm just going to close it there. I just want to pray. I want to pray that we would get this. I want to pray that we would become faithful stewards of atmospheres. Because I, the reason I'm sharing this is because I believe that the Lord is awakening us to this reality. Like, if we had time, I have to cut it short, but if we have time, we could tell story after story after story 
of the effects of God's presence being manifest in a person's life in just the most weird and wonderful ways. Like it's just bizarre what he does when he shows up. And that's ours. That's ours for the taking. That atmosphere of heaven is not some place that we're just going one day when we die. It's something you can live in right here, right now. And I believe you guys, are, you're heading in that direction, but I feel like the Spirit of the Lord is saying, hey, it's time to, like, it's time to chuck both feet in and just dive into the deep end of His presence and go, I'm all in God. Let's just see the weird, wacky, and wonderful presence of God released in our homes and in our streets and in, our, in the city and this nation. Cool beans? Put your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you are so good and that you've invited us into your goodness. Thank you, Father. And Lord, I just pray that you would teach us what it is to be faithful stewards of atmospheres, God, that you, you've said, ask me for nations. And I'll give, you, I'll give them to you as your inheritance. So, Father, we're asking for the city. We're asking for this nation. And God, would you give us such an awareness of the atmosphere that we create and the part that we play in that awesome symphony, God, as we see this whole nation swept into your kingdom, brought into its destiny as a habitation of your presence. Father, I just pray dreams and visions upon every person here. Lord, that a spirit of revelation and a spirit of encounter would rest upon them even as they sleep, that they would have the strategies of heaven downloaded to them for their workplace, for their family, for their friends. God, that the strategies and keys of heaven would begin to unlock uh, such divine purpose in the world around them. Let it be. Amen. Awesome, guys. Bless you. Have a good day, and we'll see you tonight. Man, how amazing was that? I, um, I kind of don't feel so bad now blasting my worship music out at home with all the doors open for the neighbours because, you know, being the dominant frequency, it's a good thing. Um, so, yes, so please, we would love for you to stay and join us for a cup of tea and coffee and something to eat. Otherwise, we will see you tonight at 6 o'clock. Um, Josh is going to be leading worship and, like I said, activating healings. So if you need healing, if you want to be activated in that, if you know someone that needs healing, please, please, please bring them along because it's going to be an amazing night. So, um, yeah, we'll see you tonight.